Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Daniel, and typically each week I have the honor of leading us in worship. But this morning I get the opportunity to speak to us and to lead us in the sermon. So please join me. You know, over the last six weeks, Pastor Andy has led us on an incredible journey into the concept of holiness. You know, and this very word can be one of those churchy terms that uh, can be challenging for some of us to actually give careful consideration. You know, it's because so many of us, you know, especially those of us who grew up in the church, you know, this word comes with some baggage, holiness. You know, it, it implies a perfection that we knew we were supposed to strive for, but always seemed so unattainable. And then for others of us, it may sound crazy to even consider living a holy life because only God is holy, and after all, we're only human. But as we heard throughout the holiness series, the holiness that God offers is an essential resource for any of us who would follow God and to work for his kingdom, his kingdom of peace and justice and healing and of life. But if you're like me, you may still be processing all that we've learned together over the last six weeks. You may still be grasping at ways that we actually can apply these concepts of holiness to our lives. And as you likely know, I'm a fairly practical kind of resourcing, tip-giving, bullet point kind of person. And so this morning, I would love for us to consider what holiness put into practice in our lives might look like. Now I know this is a lofty goal and that one that each of us would pursue as the Holy Spirit guides and works in our lives. But, you know, we've also learned that the holiness that God offers his people is a social phenomena. And so, therefore, I feel like we're on pretty safe ground that we can kind of pursue this together. So join me as we investigate practical holiness this morning. So in order to really consider how to apply all that we've learned, let's do a quick review on the things that we've discovered over the last six weeks. So first, holiness means unique or set apart. Now, not set apart as in removed from creation or from others, that would be a contradiction of what we've learned through this series so far. But set apart as in chosen. And the choosing of God is not for a select few. As Jesus taught us, the kingdom of God, along with all of its benefits, is freely available for all. We also learned that it isn't just God who is holy, but God makes things holy. Things like time, people, places, and things. We learned that holiness cleanses impurity. We saw this in Isaiah's temple vision where the coal was touched to the prophet's lips. But then we also see this embodied in the life of Jesus who spends his life and his ministry touching impure people, restoring 
re healing and bringing wholeness. So next we see that it's in God's very holy nature to be going out. This is first seen in Ezekiel's vision of the life-giving river that flows out of the temple. You know, this reality is to be lived and embodied by individuals and by the church. That we're called to go out into all the world, bringing the healing news of Jesus Christ to all that we meet. And then finally, we learn that holiness results in healing. The invitation we heard in the message last week from Revelation was um, to lay the leaves, the healing leaves of the tree of life upon every wound that we carry, whether physical or spiritual. These wounds are many, maybe wounded relationships, wounded families, personal trauma, addictions, harmful thought patterns, or even just destructive behaviors. But we learn that all are in need of healing, the healing that comes from heaven. And healing is not just for the individual, but it also has social ramifications as well. The environment, corrupt systems or governments, and of course, pandemics, you know, just to name a few. You know, healing is a critical byproduct of the holiness of God. It is the objective. And so, holiness is, one, for all people, places, and things. Two, it cleanses impurity rather than requires purity. Three, it's limitless in nature, and it's always moving out. And then four, it results in healing. So I don't plan to reteach all these points this morning, but in our scripture passage today, it'll be pretty clear to see many of these same ideas repeated, these concepts repeated. And I think that rehearsing them a bit will help us consider how we apply holiness into our lives. So a quick note before we dive into the scripture. You know, throughout the Bible, especially in the New Testament or the books written specifically by Paul, you'll hear these two terms used pretty frequently, the flesh and the spirit. Now, to perhaps oversimplify what Paul's referring to here, he's referring to the life lived devoid of the effects of holiness as the flesh. And then he's referring to the life empowered by the spirit and empowered by holiness as the spirit. So essentially, he's contrasting the life lived under the burden of the fall of grace that we read about in Genesis. You know, the whole Garden of Eden, tree, snake, they made me eat it, you know, that whole debacle. You know, contrasting that with the life returned to God's ideal or identity in Jesus Christ. So with that introduction, that explanation, and that rehearsal of where we've been, let us hear from God's Word. Good morning, church. The scripture today is from Romans 8, uh, verses 12 to 17, the New Revised Standard Version. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God 
are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for the hearing of his word. You know, in this opening passage of scripture, we see Paul making the case that those who would endeavor to live according to the teaching of Jesus in the kingdom that he revealed among us, that we have a couple of things to be aware of. First, we have an obligation to choose which way we're going to live, according to the flesh or according to the spirit. And he also makes it clear that those choices have trajectories, one towards death and one towards life. And then third, that those who choose to live the life of the spirit or the life of holiness, that we're not left to slave it out on our own, but rather we're brought into the family, made siblings with Christ himself and children of God, beneficiaries of the life and the power promised to all. So both of these points that Paul's making have direct impact in our ability to apply holiness and the holiness of God into our lives. We have choices to make, and those choices have a trajectory. But also that if we choose life, we're not on our own. So now, please don't be threatened by the idea that we have choices to make. This is not a trap that heaven or hell is laying for us, forcing us to choose, you know, if we want to be in or out. It's simply helping us see that the choices that we face all the time, they have significance. So many of the decisions we make are fairly mundane, but others do have deeper impact. So for instance, whether you're uh, an orange juice with the pulp in or an orange juice with the pulp out kind of person might not change the trajectory of your life. You know, it'll clearly change my opinion of you because pulp is clearly a gift from God and one not to be squandered. Uh, but, you know, pretty quickly, the choices that we, ha that we face start having deeper implications. The activities we pursue, the information and entertainment that we consume, the focus of our worldview, whether it's inward or whether it's outward. You know, all these begin to identify where we're aligning our lives. You know, Paul is helping us be mindful. The point is that certain choices may be easily associated with a life lived according to the Spirit, while others a life lived according to the flesh. So I wonder if we could do something together this morning. I wonder if we could just pause and consider what choices we've made personally over the last 48 hours. And now, maybe we could consider what choices we socially have made over the last few weeks or even few months. You know, we may think in a couple 
layers. You know, maybe we in our family, we in our neighborhoods, or we in our workplaces, our coworkers. You know, maybe our leaders locally or nationally or even internationally. You know, maybe even thinking about the choices we Emmaus Road have made. Are those choices leading to life or leading to death? You know, if you're like me, you're recognizing choices that go both ways. You know, some choices I've made have been great, you know, but other choices I've made have maybe not been so great. You know, perhaps you're even thinking about choices that seem more like unchoices, you know, just the decision not to do anything. I was so humbled by our confessional prayer from last week's service. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to that. It was by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And one of the lines that he prayed was this, often when we have done no evil, we have undertaken nothing of good and so have been guilty of uselessness and neglect. So this idea leads us to the first key of successfully living a life of holiness. So you're gonna to wanna to jot this down or maybe just be mindful of this. This is our first key of living a life of holiness. When we fail, individually or socially, will we be quick to confess and to seek reconciliation? When we fail, either individually or socially, Will we be quick to confess and to seek reconciliation? You know, in the scripture passage we just heard, we were promised that those who seek a life led by the Spirit are not left alone in the effort. They're brought into the family of God with all of its benefits. As children, we're granted grace, compassion, love. We're given second chances, third chances. <laughs> As slaves, we would be subjected to suspicion, contempt, punishment, constant threat. It's such good news that the kingdom of heaven treats us as children, not slaves. When we fail, individually or socially, will we be quick to confess and to seek reconciliation? That's our first step. It's a recurring theme in the lives of those who live in the stream of God's holiness. Confession doesn't just happen once. It recurs as God continues to work in us and to refine us. So now that's our first point. Now that leads us to the second passage of scripture for this morning. So join me in the hearing of God's word. Good morning, church. Please join me in today's scripture reading from Romans chapter 8 verses 18 through 25. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. 
For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Again, thanks be to God for the hearing of his word. You know, Paul is giving us an amazing like one-two combo this morning in the scripture passages. First, the reminder that the life lived of holiness is made possible for all who seek him through the power of heaven. But then secondly, holiness is not only good news for us individually, but it's also good news for all of creation. But much like we saw in the first passage this morning, Paul doesn't sugarcoat the truth here. (laughs) You know, we hear that the life of faith and holiness is not one devoid of suffering. That both our personal lives and all creation feel it. So how do we process the idea that God's work in us and God's work in all creation is even making any difference? You know, verse 24 from that passage that we just heard holds the key. Hope. You see, for many of us, holiness was sold to us as this immediate of perfection in our earthly lives. But the perfection that we read about in Scripture is much more complex. It implies that perfection is a process which has begun, but it also is taking place, and it will also continue until Christ returns. So it's taking place in us in that, uh, you know, we can see through Scripture, it helps us as we understand the ideal that we're aiming for. So it has come and happened. We know, we know the ideal that we're aiming for. It's also active now as Christ's victory over sin and death on the cross is at work in our hearts, healing us and little by little making things better. But it also remains that our lives and holiness and our lives and the world are far from perfect. Things fall short. I fall short. We fall short. We know that the perfection is yet to be fully achieved. And yet we're encouraged to hope. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Now, I've never been on the labor bed in my own body, but I've been in the room with Melissa for the birth of our three children as she experienced the labor bed. And there were times when we were definitely both groaning together. You know, and I'm sure so many of you can relate. And I won't attempt to speak to the pain or perhaps even the full release of joy that Melissa experienced in the birth of our children. But as much as anyone can experience these things by proxy, I felt them. And isn't the labor bed such a fitting analogy for us? We long for things to be better. We long for victory and freedom over addiction and the burdens that we carry. We long for all people to be treated with equity and given the same chance at life and happiness despite the color of their skin. 
We know what we're aiming for. But at times, it still seems so far away. So what should we do? Should we, I mean, should we, could we just give up? Quit? Throw in the towel? I know we've been tempted. But I have a question. What would happen on the labor bed if we attempted to give up? Right. Our bodies would give us another contraction. The process, once started, can't be stopped. The process, once started, can't be stopped. That's such good news. We can't give up because God's kingdom of restoration in our lives and in creation isn't giving up. We're laboring together with all of heaven to see creation and our lives restored. So this leads us to the second key success, or the second key in living a life of holiness. And that is this. Apathy, complacency, inaction, these are not qualities of holiness. Life lived with the Spirit is a life of action and intentionality. So our second key for this morning is this. Apathy, complacency, in action, these are not qualities of holiness. The life lived with the Spirit is a life of action and intentionality. But will it be easy? <laughs> Just as Scripture reminds us, the life lived in service to the kingdom is not one of perpetual ease and blessing. You know, the most sinister lie that we could buy into as followers of Christ is that Christian, the Christian life, will always result in prosperity, comfort, and leisure. Look around. <laughs> Does our world, do our communities, do our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our homes, our inner thoughts, do those look perfect? Nothing makes our adversary more pleased than a comfortable, complacent Christian who feels like, their work is done. Now, I hope I'm not laying it on too thick here, but, you know, this is a safe time together, and so I hope that we can open our hearts. We all desire for our lives to be peaceful and harmonious and comfortable. Of course we do, and we shouldn't feel guilty when we experience peace and harmony and comfort. But when it comes to recognizing injustice, hurt, pain, brokenness, and death. Holiness calls us to action. It calls us to compassion, mercy, generosity, effort, camaraderie. And as we heard in the final message from the Holiness series last week, we're called to lay the leaves, the healing leaves of the tree of life on the hurts that we experience, both personally and socially. What evidence of brokenness, hurt, or pain, whether physical, psychological, or emotional, do you recognize in yourself today? What evidence of brokenness, hurt, or pain, whether physical, psychological, or emotional, do we recognize in our world around us?
I'm sure things are coming to mind. You know, and even though earlier when we talked about how, you know, being quick to confess our failure and seeking re reconciliation to God and to others when we fail, that, you know, that feels kind of straightforward a little bit. I mean, we can kind of wrap our mind around that idea, but admittedly, considering how we take action against the brokenness and hurt and pain that we experience socially and personally, that's a little bit more challenging. But much like childbirth, we just have to give ourselves a little bit of grace. There's no quick fix. Things take time. We must commit to the process, though. Once the process starts, it doesn't stop. We join in with it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But we do so taking courage that we're not alone. The Spirit is with you. Your church family here at Emmaus is with you. So what might this process look like as we put it into practice, this process of healing, this process of taking action in the things that we see around us? There's a couple things. For me, it's, it's always started with prayer. And I'm not just referring to the photogenic prayer of one on their knees and hands folded and eyes closed. You know, I'm, I'm talking about times of ugly prayer, like labor bed kind of prayer, through the watches of the night, the last one to get up from the altar at the sanctuary kind of prayer. You know, prayer changes things. Prayer for forgiveness, healing, direction, guidance, breakthrough in impossible situations. It changes things. Over time, through our prayer, God heals and corrects our hearts and our thoughts. Often, situations change, like in the blink of an eye, or wounds are healed, or our bodies are restored. And it seems quite miraculous. You know, we may not be able to explain it with science or point to the formula in scripture, but I'm sure many of you can attest to similar experiences. May we continue to seek healing through prayer. You know, but also for many of us, the process of restoration or the process of healing, it does require professional help. Whether emotional or physical, God works through others in bringing healing, in bringing help, in bringing res resolution to areas of brokenness in our lives. If you're experiencing any of these types of challenges and you have no idea where to turn, please get in touch with us. Either Pastor Andy or Pastor Grace or myself, we would love to carefully and prayerfully consider what possible options you might have available to you as next steps. And then finally, for all of us, the process will definitely look like a willingness to take a stand and to become the hands and feet of Christ in areas of need, injustice, or even outright evil that we see around us. This happens in hundreds of little ways. Generous giving, sacrificing of our time and our talent, boldness to speak up, compassion to reach out, 
the humility to change our mind when we've been wrong, the strength to turn off the noise, the courage to make big moves for the sake of God's kingdom. Dear God, have mercy upon us and make your face to shine upon us. And my friends, remember, holiness is not a state that we reach. Rather, it is a life that we live into. The river does not stop once uh, it refreshes and it's a single individual. It keeps flowing, eternally providing refreshing to those of us and to all creation until the promise of God's complete reconciliation of all mankind and creation is complete. So, in review, may we be quick to confess and to seek reconciliation when we fail. And two, may we courageously live lives of partnership with the Spirit, a life of action and intentionality, advancing God's kingdom in all of the earth as it is in heaven. Amen.